Greetings, friends. Uh, we're back with you for another uh, uh, episode of the Rocky River United Methodist Podcast. And uh, we continue with uh, what we, we started last week and, in fact, have done numerous times throughout our uh, history of our podcast, and that is uh, to engage in some, some interviews uh, with folks from the church. Um, I'm, I'm just curious, uh, Stephen, what is it that, uh, what, what qualifications are we using to choose our interviewees? Like, who is it that we're specifically targeting? Yeah, Paul, that is a good question. Um, we're just targeting people with really stories that have been impacted by Christ um, and people who have also had, so far, people have had big impacts within the church and volunteering, helping out, and staff, and so... Yeah, I guess that's kind of the criteria. Is that? No, that sounds that sounds spot on. I put Stephen on the spot there. <laughs> I did. Uh, but uh, yeah, we we uh, we're in inviting folks in who um, have uh, integral role in the church and uh, have have uh, meaningful faith stories and and uh, folks who, uh, to some extent, I, I think what I would say uh, that you may know their faces, you may know their names, um, but. Uh, uh, you may not have had opportunity to really sit down and get to know them personally, and so we're bringing uh, those folks to you and giving them a chance to share their stories and, and dig into um, what their roles in the church uh, are and uh, just uh, let them share their heart and, and their story with you. So we're back for uh, another interview. Uh, we'll be conducting one today, and then um, next week uh, we have a a uh, special uh, musical guest, I believe. And uh, then we turn the corner right into Advent, uh, believe it or not, goodness. Uh, so uh, Stephen will be singing Christmas carols for us <laughs> in, in Advent uh, to, to pace our way through the season. But uh, today we are here with our special guest, uh, Sherry Swartz. Uh, many of you uh, probably have seen Sherry and, and maybe don't know her name. Uh, maybe you've seen her bustling about the, the church and uh, busily doing so many things behind the scenes uh, that anybody else, uh, their head would be spinning and, and popping off and um, they would be falling apart. Sherry is a, a gift for um, many different things, but one is, is organization, uh, event planning, and and uh, just keeping the rest of the church staff uh, in order and, and um, on top of things and uh, really essentially making us uh, look much better than we deserve to look in many circumstances. Uh, I'll let her share more of uh, the specifics of what that looks like in her day-to-day, but uh, Sherry is such a, an important member of our staff and uh, does uh, so much to, to make this church uh, flow and, and effective in what we do. So we're gonna we're gonna welcome Sherry in and and uh, gonna give her rather than digging deep into you know some of those uh, uh, deeper uh, barrier heart questions we like to to warm you up Sherry with a uh, kind of an icebreaker question relevant to the times uh, so what we'd like to do is is welcome you give you a chance to say hi and then um, uh, ask you the question what uh, has this uh, last what nine or so eight or nine months uh, looked like for you living in the midst of a worldwide pandemic. How has that affected your your day to day? I could speak to it uh, just from what I've seen you you pick up here at the church and the ways you've bobbed and, and, and weaved and such. But uh, share with our audience um, what uh, the the pandemic has looked like for you in your day to day. Thank you, and thank you for inviting me to be um, a guest on your podcast. That's a very nice invitation. Um, for me, the coronavirus has been all about the wedding. Jane was scheduled to get married on August 7th, 
<clears throat> excuse me. So when the pandemic first started, I said to Jane in March, please don't worry, it's fine. This pandemic is not gonna affect your wedding, we're good. And we made it to, to June, and at June we had 90 day, or 60 days to make a decision, and we decided that we had to switch it and completely change it. There's been a lot of people that have postponed their weddings, but um, at this point we had already spent 18 months planning it, and I said to Jane, no, we're gonna go ahead with it, now we just have to be creative and figure out what we're doing. And that, I think, was the beginning of the incredible creative process for COVID. You, we can still do it, and you know, we found another, you know, we rallied and we found another place. And so, you know, things like invitations, we were only inviting the um, the wedding party the, and the immediate family. And she said, we don't need wedding invitations. Just yes, we do. It's a wedding, and we need a wedding cake. We don't. I don't want a sheet cake just because there's so few people. It's a wedding. We're going to have a three-tiered wedding cake. There's still going to be dresses, flowers, hair, makeup. And anyways, our wedding ended up being very successful. So it was a wonderful story. And um, I think as so many of the brides have found out and wedding couples, that when it really gets down to just the brass facts and the people that you need to be there, it is a very special event. It's very intimate. And we were free of um, some of the clutter and some of the productionness of a wedding. And so um, it was. It, that has been the COVID experience for me. Yeah, that's really good. And yeah, I think kind of what you've just said, going down to the brass tacks, and I think a lot of life has ended up being like that. It's starting to focus on what's more valuable and a lot of the fluff of life um, tends to be, I don't know, watered down because of the virus. You just kind of opened your eyes to the reality of what's really important. So the next question we have for you is, and this is really a question I have, just understanding your background, your family, um, just tell us a little bit about yourself. I, I know personally for me, this is going to be completely new to me. <laughs> so I'm really excited to hear what you have to say, just your background growing up, your family, um, jobs you've worked, probably all kind of information that we can. Okay. Learn. So I was born and raised in Elyria and, um, spent my entire life there so parents two older brothers um, the three of us all went to Ohio State and so all three graduated from Ohio State and then I got out and I did retail I was with the Gap and the Limited from there I went downtown to Maxicure which was a healthcare uh, company and I was a customer service rep I had friends at American Greetings so I left and I went to American Greetings and that was I was a product analyst and we analyzed greeting cards and believe it or not, we had coders, and they coded every single greeting card for 250 facts on that greeting card. And 125 were the, counting the words, what was the sentiment of the card, what was the caption, was it mother and father, was it mom and dad, was it mom and her husband? So we captured all of that information, and then the theme. What was the theme, first theme, second theme, tertiary theme, what you know was the color, what was the design. So I analyzed all those cards and then we would plan three years out. And so I did American Greetings. Um, and then I stayed home to raise kids. And then here I was at the church and I was kind of selected, I guess you would say, by the senior minister to be the children's um, director because we were literally in church every week. And I have, Scott and I got married at that church in Elyria. Scott, it was, you know, we met at that church in third grade, got our third grade Bibles together, went through confirmation together, baccalaureate, and got married at that church. Um, we have four children, and all four children have gone through Rocky River schools, all four have gone to college in Ohio, and all four have graduated and are now working, so. 
that's kind of the from birth to now. Wow. That, that is uh, very interesting, and, and I agree, Stephen. I, there's a lot of new information there, even though Cherry and I have been working together for seven or eight years now. Um, I guess I should have interviewed her years ago. <laughs> I, I think all I knew about her background uh, was that uh, she was from Illyria. It has a lot of great things to say about Illyria um, and, uh, and, and loves her family, loves her kids. Uh, so all new information. So I'll have to come to you with uh, any advice I need on uh, greeting cards or you know, or <laughs> any retail yeah, retail needs I might have. Uh, that's no, that's that's really good. And and the next question kind of adds another layer to your story. So we're sticking with your story, but now uh, turning to the the focus being on on your faith walk. Uh, so tell us, um, however you you choose to to go about it, um, but uh, your your faith story. Uh, where did it start? and what does that look like over the years for you? So my faith story starts um, with my parents. My father was the spiritual leader of the family and my mother was lukewarm at best, but my father's parents, my grandparents, were totally God's people and First Baptist Church in Sharon, Pennsylvania. And all of their families on both sides, all the siblings, everybody went to church. So my father was raised in that atmosphere. My father was also raised to tithe and so we joined that universe or um, first congregational united church of christ in Elyria, and we went every sunday and there was it was kind of funny like looking back there was no discussion about going to church you just went to church scott's family was exactly the same i don't even think they were spiritual they just knew it was the right thing to do so they went to church so um my mom would grumble about church she'd grumble about having to get dressed and ready and all these different things and my dad just loved god and I picked up, you love God and God loves you, and you know, that's just how it is. I'd go to my grandparents and it was the same thing. We all went to church together and I have always known in my heart that I loved God and God loved me. Like I've never questioned it, I've never asked about it, and it just kind of all flowed. So, um, so it is very interesting. And when my father also believed that you did, I don't know if I want to say you didn't need to be baptized. He believed that your baptism should represent your walk with Jesus, that it shouldn't be decided for you. You should get to pick your religion and you should get to understand what you were doing. So that's what I was taught very early. So you, at UCC, you had to be baptized before you could become a member. So we had gone through confirmation together and they baptized in the parlor before the service. They didn't make it as part of the service. So my dad said to me, who do you want to be at your baptism? You can invite a couple of friends. I invited Scott and I invited Chris. I married Scott. Chris was my best <laughs> friend since third grade. My brother married Chris. So these two have been with me in my faith journey the entire time. Hmm. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. And Chris, it was kind of funny, Chris's family did not go to church. But if you, again, same thing, if you spent the night, you had to get up and go to church. So Chris ended up coming to church. She came to church so much with me that she joined the confirmation class, even though her parents had nothing to do with it. So then they had to come to church mm -hmm. to see her get to become a member at that church. Right. And um, kind of when my parents moved and went on to Michigan and then back to Vermilion, then Chris's parents joined the church and actually become, became more involved in members. Hmm. So Chris and Brett got married at that church and then Bob's funeral was at, her dad's funeral was at that church. Yeah, wow. so so wow. It, it was quite an impact at a young age. Yeah, that's, well, that's, um, certainly a lot has happened at that church and, and I can also, 
I agree with you that um, my parents as well played a huge role in in my faith walk and um, making that decision to follow Jesus Christ. And um, I just know that for any parents listening out there, we always play a huge role in our uh, son and daughter's faith and how we live it out and what we say. And um, and I have two little ones at home, <laughs> and they're definitely watching everything that I do. But, um, yeah, our, as parents, you play a huge role um, in a faith story. And the only thing I would add to that is it is even more your actions and your words. Exactly. You know, because right. my father was a very joyful attender exactly. and a very joyful giver. Yep. And I just felt that. He, yep. just, he didn't brag about it. He didn't talk about it. Mm-hmm. But you just knew yep. that was him. Yep. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and I, I agree with that wholeheartedly because you can have parents who begrudgingly like, go into church and don't really want to be there, you know, and, and of course kids pick up on that for sure. Oh, yeah, that's I agree with you wholeheartedly. So how did you come to call Rocky River United Methodist Church, this church specifically, home? Um, and then, too, when you answer that, also, what kind of is your involvement in the church? And I know you mentioned that like, you did children's, and um, where did you kind of go from there? So just a little bit about that end of your story. Um, after college, Scott and I got married, and um, he did law school and did a graduate law program, and it found us moving to Nashville. We had not really continued our faith journey after we got married. We got to Nashville, and as soon as you met somebody, hi, you know, I'm Tom Smith, and I attend blah, blah, blah church. And I said to Scott, oh my gosh, we got to go to a church. We got to find a church. It's ba- it, it was so interesting because anybody who met me said, oh, you're from Northeast Ohio, by my twang, by my, and I thought, <laughs> holy man, you don't even know I'm from Ohio, but I'm Northeast Ohio. It's that obvious. And yeah, so we were already outcast because the Civil War is yesterday and they don't like any Northerners. <laughs> so I said, the only way we're going to survive is to find a church. So, and why he asked the secretary at his work, I don't have any idea, but he did. And she said, Vine Street Christian Church. All right. So we went to Vine Street, and it was very much under the same umbrella as the UCC. So we were very comfortable. It was very familiar. Mm-hmm. And in Nashville, not only did you have to go on Sunday morning, you had to go on Wednesday night. The whole city went to church. There's 600 churches in Nashville. So there, you have a lot of selection, but you, you just cannot be home. You can't be out seeing walking the dog because you need to be at church. But that forced us to get very involved and was a big part of it. So church became, again, that same thing like our, because both of us were raised in the church, you just get up and go on Sunday morning. There really isn't a discussion about it. So that's what we started doing. So when we got back to Cleveland, we moved back after three years, we decided to go to Lakewood UCC because we thought, okay, we got married at Elyria UCC. They were in the middle of a ministry change and nobody seemed to notice us, nobody seemed to care that we were there. And I kind of said, I wonder what we're doing. And I think I was driving down on my way to Heinen's and went, wait, there's a Methodist church. That's the same denomination. How about if we walk in there? And literally that first Sunday in July, Dave Martin, the Swartz family, and Jeff Acker walked into this church. We all walked in on the same Sunday. (laughs) And Scott was enamored with Dave Martin. He was very um, uh, academic, and he he did sermons very much like a professor. Scott loves school, loves studying, so he just absolutely loved him. Um, So that's what I got pulled in on the children's committee. And then from being on the children's committee that I was teaching Sunday school, then in 1998, and I totally remember because I was holding Charlie, 
Janet Scott asked me to be on the nominating committee. I've been on the nominating committee every single year since 1998. <laughs> so that's why it goes quick. Right. There's no dilly-dallying. There's no, you know, messing around. Let's just get this over with. Um, and then from there, I kind of got pulled into other areas. And, and again, I say, God gave me a lot of talents, and I like to use all of them. The other thing that I say is that there were a lot of strong women before me, and so I'm just trying to hold up that, you know, those shoulders of all those women and stand on their shoulders. Um, so as I was doing more and more, Tom Lamont basically went to Dave Martin and said, she's doing way more than children's, quit calling her the children's director. And Dave called me into his office, and he's like, come up with a new title. Come up with a new title. What's my title going to be? <laughs> I don't know what to do. So children's was C-H, you know, and then you spell children's. And I was like, well, how about if we change children's to church director, director of children's or church ministry? And he was like, and that encompasses everything and it encompasses nothing. So it kind of, <laughs> you know, it, it didn't matter what I did and then I could be pulled in for anything. The one year, Jane's seventh grade year, when she was going through confirmation, the youth director left like right in September. Dave Martin called me in and said, okay, I'll pay you more. Could you please take over confirmation? Can you just do it? And I went home and I said, Jane, guess you got picked to be doing confirmation. I, you know, I got selected and she's like, oh, no, no, there has got to be somebody else in that church. It cannot be you. You've already taught them Sunday school in second grade. Well, here I am again. I'm going to do it again. So I did confirmation that year and we all survived. And Jane was fine and I had Kelly Poe, Tom Poe's daughter. And every Sunday I had to call and say, Tom, are you bringing Kelly today? And he was like, why, why can no one remember this but you? I don't know, Tom. I don't know why you can't put it on a calendar, or, but today's confirmation. Bring Kelly. It's Sunday. So um, anyways, it was a delight and a joy. And, a, and then the Bennett family came in. I was kind of rounding out of. My kids had all graduated. I was kind of done with children's. I was being pulled into the direction of more of the events, the coordinating, the all the behind the scenes. I like to say I, like, I make the magic happen. And so Quinn was ready to step in and do children's. So that was a very smooth transition. And so she took over children's, and then I just kind of moved on to all the other things. And I really, really tried to kind of just see where the openings are and, okay, what can we do to help? Or how can we fix that? Or, you know, what, what needs to be done? So. Yeah, and it, it sounds cliche, but um, I think I would say Sherry is indeed the glue. Uh, <laughs> the glue that holds it all together. And, and she mentioned in passing that, um, her her title indicates that she can do a little bit of everything or, or absolutely nothing, and, right. and nobody knows the difference. Well, uh, truth is, she does pretty much everything, and a lot of folks don't know uh, that, that she's behind uh, so much of it. I don't know that there's a whole lot that goes on here that she hasn't had a hand in, and it's neat hearing your story and, and all of the, the various names of uh, mm -hmm. folks who have been prominent members and, and staff members of the church over the years and um, how you know your relationships, your connections with them have played a part in kind of mm -hmm. guiding you through your story and your and your uh, relationship with the church and um, and you continue to be the person that we go to anytime we, we're trying to pinpoint who somebody is or, or who's connected <laughs> with who um, Sherry's just as much a, an expert on the city of Rocky River as she is you know the city of Elyria of course and and um, the, the church uh, personnel uh, so it, it's a, a joy to see you work in, in all of these different capacities. Uh, my next question is, 
is uh, to take you back to that that uh, personal faith component and ask you um, whether it be within your role here as, as children's director, director of church ministries, uh, in, in your marriage or raising of, of four children, uh, what what is a moment or uh, if, you, if you have a hard time narrowing it down to one, uh, but where you, you truly saw God at work in incredible ways uh, in your life? Um, when I thought about this question, I came up with two and they were a long time ago, but they were very powerful to me. And they were um, very much, all right, God, you've got me in the palm of your hand and you're paying attention. And the first one was, I was pregnant with Sam and I was nearing the end of my pregnancy and I knew I was gonna stay home after. So I felt like, well, I'll work as long as I can. But I kind of kept having this reoccurring theme. Like if I could just have a week off between working, cause I know once I become a mother, that's gonna be all time consuming. So if I could just have a week off, a week off. And I kind of kept playing that over in my mind. Sam's born, and unfortunately, he was really sick and ended up in the NICU. And I was like, NICU, wow, we're in a world of hurt. And it laughed. I mean, I didn't laugh at the time, but at the end of it, I realized that I had been home a week without a child. Like, I left the hospital without him, and he stayed in, and it was a week. And I, and I said, oh, God, you heard me. You got, oh, you gave me a week, but boy, you put me through a big thing, but you're reminding me that what you think and what you think is a priority he's paying attention to and regardless of the consequences he's going to give you what you're asking for Mm -hmm. so i was it was very very powerful for me like all right i'll be very careful in the future what i think and what the ramifications are of what i'm wishing for what i think i don't have you know kind of a Mm -hmm. thing the second one was just as powerful after sam's born and i'm home and we're out walking and we were at the other end of rocky river and i'm walking through west valley and i basically do the same thing i'm thinking wow, when we move next time, I would really like a house with four pillars. Those pillars are so nice, they're so stately. They really set that house <laughs> off. We move, we get called to Nashville. We're leaving, Scott and I have never lived out of the state of Ohio. We're leaving grandparents, siblings, friends, mm-hmm. you know, our entire lives. And I'm, um, excuse me, I'm coming up, we're out walking in Nashville and I know no one. And I'm like, God, you're gonna have to take me by the hand. You're going to have to give me a nudge. Like, what are we doing here? Like, how did this happen? And obviously, it's still really pure to me. Um, I'm coming up the street, and I started laughing. I'm like, well, would you look at that house? It has four pillars. That's my house. Oh, God. Again, I didn't think when I said I wanted four pillars that it meant I had to move to Nashville. (laughs) But here you are again. You heard me. You answered me. You gave me everything I want. And... okay i just have to be happy with this because this is what i said i wanted and i got it so okay it's fine you've taken me by the hand i'll make nashville work Mm -hmm. and i did so yeah 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 that's that's really really good to hear and um just hearing that story how god works in your life i i really believe that um is encouraging for others who are listening and i hope that um, others who are listening, you know, can be encouraged how God works in our lives so uniquely. And because um, all these interviews that we've done, when we ask this question, we just uh-huh. get different answers. And obviously, because they're all different people, so you're going to get different answers. But but it's all, it's just always really encouraging to hear how God has worked in someone's life. Because I know to hearing that story has really encouraged me as well. Um, our next question would be, what kind of advice would you give to someone who's new to the faith, um, new to um, maybe just starting off on their journey with Christ? Because I'm sure those who listen to this podcast are on different um, parts of the journey of their faith. So what would you say to someone who's like just starting off? 
Um, one of my favorite jobs here in the time that I've been here, um, they, we brought Mops to this church, and Mops had been at Bay Presbyterian, and Michelle Krampitz was part of it. She really wanted it to come here. So she asked Janet Scott, Mary Jo Morford, Stacy Wendell came from Bay, and me to be the Mundering Moms. And we weren't that much older, but we were probably 10 to 15 years older than a lot of the women. And most of them did not have faith, or they didn't have a strong faith, or they were new in a marriage. And it was unbelievable for that generation, and I forget what they call them now because they're older, but how many of them had come through divorce is their childhood, and then that meant there were a different set of rules at each house, and there was a different birth order. Mm -hmm. So they were really struggling with who do I want to be and who do I, and so that was when it was such a tender time to explain your faith and how life is going to be rocky and your marriage is going to be rocky and your kids are going to you know, force you to do things and produce an anger that you didn't even think was in you. So I don't know how you get through it without faith. And I don't know if you don't have God to turn to to spill all this out or to know that even in those bad things, he's walking along beside you and that there's no golden ticket. There's no, okay, now you get the rainbow because you believe in me. You get all the heartaches and all the joys and everything else, but you know that somebody's coming along beside you. So that has always been my, um, my biggest thought about that. And I've always said to them, think about God and think about life and death and think about all the technology and all the things we know and just take birth and all the things they can tell you about the baby and about when, you know, everything they can tell you. There's so much knowledge. Now they're even doing surgery on babies when they're still in vitro because mm -hmm. they can figure it out through. But nobody knows when a baby's going to be born. Well, we think you're dilated. We don't think you're dilated. Well, we think you have two weeks. You had two minutes. You know, you're going to go 12 hours. No, you had the baby. God kept birth. Like totally, he has not given up what happens that a woman gives birth. And at the same point, the same thing about death. He's figured, I mean, the technology, hospice, all, but they tell you two weeks and you die or they tell you you have cancer, but you're going to be six months and it, all the things that happen and God's kept death. Like I'm keeping birth and I'm keeping death. Those are, that's very powerful if you think mm -hmm. about that. Mm -hmm. So that's that. It's bigger than you, and it is more important than you, but it's right there for you and very personable. Mm. So, yeah, the faith you're describing is one in which your your day to day circumstances don't necessarily change. Your what you your relationships look like, your your job, you know, all of those things don't necessarily uh, change the moment you say yes, I want to follow Jesus and surrender my life to Him, but. Uh, there are internal changes that, you know, as you, as you talk about sharing with the MOPS uh, ladies, uh, you were trying to communicate to them. It's so hard to, to communicate mm -hmm. something like that to somebody who, who has never uh, been on that side of it. You know, it's, it's like trying to explain to somebody how uh, it feels to fly an airplane or something. You know, mm -hmm. you want to you communicate it, but it's so hard uh, to get that across because the, the changes are, are primarily internal. At least they start internal. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, as we're, we're looking at folks who are trying to figure out what faith is all about, um, being able to communicate that is is sometimes difficult. Uh, and, and I've seen you do that uh, with your children's messages in the past, of mm -hmm. course, uh, in my early years here and, and uh, with MOPS and just in various ways uh, as you put your your uh, personal stamp on the ministries of this church. Um, and, and specifically, uh, honing in on those very ministries of the church, our, our next uh, question is kind of a, a, a second layer of the previous one. 
So as I've stated, there's not a whole lot that goes on here that you're, you're not mm-hmm. a part of or not aware of. Um, so I, I want you to put yourself in the position of, uh, um, you know, uh, Joe Schmo, who's, who's walking into the church for the first time, uh, maybe is that person who's trying to figure out what faith is all about. Um, they know that they want church to be a part of their journey, um, but they don't know uh, how to be a churched person. They don't know how to get engaged. They don't know how to get settled in. They don't know how to find God in the midst of all of these activities and options and studies and groups. Um, so being the director of, of ministries here at the church and, and knowing everything that you know about the the kind of the framework of this church and, and how we uh, you know tailor things to try and help people meet Jesus Christ in the midst of their story. What advice would you give to somebody who's who's new to, uh, in this case, Rocky River UMC, and just uh, trying to figure things out on their own? Uh, to begin with, I always feel like, and I and I think this again goes back to the Nashville years. Um, unless a person feels valued and that you see them, they're they're not going to be able to hear or see any of what you're saying to them. Mm-hmm. So that is why. You know, that again, it's one of my gifts, but I feel like Bob Barker, you know, come on down. When they walk into the <laughs> church, because I'm at all three services, I kind of know who's new. And the minute they walk in, I can say, Hey, I'm Sherry. It's nice that you're here. Thanks for coming. What's your name? And I just stop there. Like, that's all I need is their name. And then I have a sheet of paper and a pen, and I write it down, and I'll write a little comment or a hair description or just something if they're alone or together. And, and then the next week, I have my list, and I'm you know, yelling out names and calling them. Okay, so now I brought you in, and now you know that I see you. And then I just really, for lack of a better way to say it, I work that relationship until I feel like I, you do have them in a sweet spot where now they're comfortable, they kind of know where the restrooms are, they've been to a few services, and now I can start throwing things out. Would you like to participate? Do you want to help on Sunday morning? Do you want to do a small group? Like, you know, and just kind of feel them out and then also getting to know them. Are there children? Are there other people? Are you new to the area? Throwing in those questions. And then I always, you know, I need help. And, you know, and I always ask in person because it's the eye contact and the one-on-one. It's very hard to say no to me in person. But at the same time, I always say to them, on Saturday night, I don't want you mad and stewing around because, ugh, why did I say yes to Sherry? And if you find yourself in that, <laughs> tell me no. I'm not badgering or bullying or mm-hmm. I just, I want you to feel more welcome. And so those are the, the ways I think that we do it. And I think we're most successful when we do it individually and when we, you know, warm them up to the idea that you have value in our eyes and in God's eyes by being in this place right. and that we see you and that we honor you for being here and we thank you, but is, you know, can we help you or can you help us? Where, who, which right. person are you? Do right. you need the help or are you here to help? Mm-hmm. And I've had success both ways and it's, um, it's been tremendously successful because during the week and on a Sunday morning, we need a lot of volunteers and we need mm-hmm. a lot of people w- willing to do God's work and spend a lot of time and, um, so it has been very gratifying, and then that's how we build a church family. Right. Yeah. Well, that was that philosophy right there is exactly why she <laughs> does so much here around the church. Um, does does so well with getting people involved and volunteering, and um, just very very thankful. Um, one of our last questions here is: um, as we sum it up, your favorite Bible verse or passage. Um, and, and why um, have you selected um, the certain verse that, that you consider your favorite verse? Um, uh, 
Five. I'm not sure that I know why I selected it. It's Romans <laughs> right. 5, okay. 1 through 5. But yeah. at some point, I stumbled onto it. And I think it's because, as you read through it, mm-hmm. but when you get to kind of, but we rejoice in our suffering because know that suffering produces right. perseverance. Perseverance produces character. Character produces right. hope, and hope does not disappoint us. Right. So it's one through five, and you go through it, and I just kind of feel like, yeah, that sums up life. Right. There's going to be great things. There's going to be bad things. But right. all of those are building blocks, character builders. Mm-hmm. That's how you become the person you're going to become. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to become the person you're going to become if everything is easy or right. if you have a parent being a bulldozer and making it easy for you or if nothing bad happens. Mm-hmm. The, the fruit of the Spirit and the love that you get is from what you learn in life. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and I kind of feel like as I'm going to be 60 this year, so it's going to be <laughs> a big year, I do like the person I am, and I right. do like the people my children have become. Right. I'm kind of like, okay, yeah. you know, we're not done, and I feel like I'm still parenting, but I'm kind of right. like, uh, I think we're on a good path and a good right. place, so right. it's good. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I didn't know we were going to get a birthday announcement here. Yeah, a birthday announcement too. A big birthday announcement. Um, But yeah, that's uh, that's fascinating. And I I agree that verse um, definitely speaks to the ups and downs and the trials of life. But um, God uses all the things of our life, the trials and the challenges and the good times as well Mm -hmm. to um, make us stronger. Um, and, And I always believe too. Um, I tend, I was thinking about this the other day, actually, in the car, that if God kind of laid out our whole life in front of us and told us in the beginning, um, it wouldn't we wouldn't have that step of faith of trusting Him. Like, we don't Correct. know what's next in life, so we have to walk by faith and trust. Um, not everything is laid out. And a lot of times, if everything was laid out, we wouldn't want to leave our doors, mm-hmm. right? Because we know what's ahead. Um, but yeah, I think that's fascinating. So... We're going to end with probably my favorite part here with the rapid fire questions. <laughs> and uh, Sherry does not know what is coming her way, but I assure, I assure you they are simple questions. Um, all right. <laughs> Paul's laughing over here. Uh, okay. First question. If you had unlimited free time, what would you do? Unlimited free time? Unlimited free time. I think I would read. Read? Yeah. Good. Well, here's another side question. Any favorite books, recommended books? Um, You know what? This pandemic has been phenomenal because I have discovered quite (laughs) a few. um, Nothing is profound. Everything is just simple, fun, easy reading. But I love the John Grishams. I love. uh, And then I can go the other way with the silly um, Debbie Matt Cumber, you know, stories that are simple and always have a happy ending. Right. So... Um, if Paul and I get any emails about those authors, and yeah. we'll we'll John send them your way. Yeah, thank yeah. you. <laughs> um, all right. Do you do you say pop or soda? Oh, pop. Pop. Okay. But in Nashville, it was soda. Is oh, and it? it was Coke. Oh, it yeah. Wasn't even, it wasn't even a. It was, it was just Coke. <laughs> right. Okay. Right. I just want a Coke. Okay. <laughs> and the other thing in Nashville was, um, you were fetching. I'm fetching? Yeah, I'm fetching to go do. I'm fetching to go to the grocery store. I didn't, huh. I didn't know I was fetching to do anything. I didn't even do. <laughs> Not to put down Nashville, but yeah. I had no idea I was that's, fetching. That's probably how they knew you are from Northeast Ohio. <laughs> you, were, you were fetching anything. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, favorite ice cream flavor? Uh, favorite is by far chocolate. Chocolate. Chocolate is everything. Okay, good. Nice and simple. Uh, something you always wanted to learn. Ah, something I've always wanted to learn. 
probably a sport, not a sport per se, but more like a playing tennis or, okay. you know, kayaking or something like yeah. that, that I just golf, right. you know, something that I never, raising four kids, I just didn't take the time yeah. to do. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. good. And then the last one, uh, if you had a chance to choose a superpower, um, what would you mm, choose? I've been given a lot of superpowers. <laughs> um, I think joy. joy. I just think joy would be the best one. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of spreading joy around. Yeah, just spreading, sprinkling. Yeah. Yeah. Joy. Sprinkling joy okay. and, and eluding joy. and right. Yeah. Good. Yeah, I think I'd like joy. That's good. Well, that's that's fascinating. Yeah, you could have like a joy beam or something. And you just <laughs> shoot people with joy. joy yeah, joy, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. was really good. So I, uh, I know Paul and I have just really appreciated your time, um, and thank you so much for mm-hmm. being on the podcast. There's, um, I know I learned a lot um, about you, and um, I know Paul's learned a lot too. If, I have learned a lot too. <laughs> Thanks for setting me up as well. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, and, and again, as I've said before, um, the church's theme here, it's all about the story. Um, and one of the best things that we do on this podcast is interviewing people and hearing their stories um, because I just think that helps us to understand each other better. And I think it also helps us to understand how God uniquely works in each one of our lives. Um, and just how important Christ is and how he transforms our lives um, for his glory and for his name. Um, so I just, we just pray that this interview has been helpful for you um, and help encourage and strengthen your faith. And if you um, don't know Jesus or you're beginning your faith walk, we pray that you make that decision to follow him. Um, and then some about the church, we have our 8.30 parking lot service, our 10 o'clock in-person service, and our 11.30 streaming service, and you can also come in person. Um, so we encourage you to check those out. And again, to remind you that Children's and Youth Sunday School has started. Um, and encourage you um, to come out and be happy to have the youth and children here. Um, again, thank you for listening, and uh, looking forward to next week.